And we're live. With Paranormal Dash Spirits. Place to come to get our booze on. We talk about the booze. And I get to do that with all my booze. I'm Mike Black. To my left, my lovely and delicious wife, Alyssa Black. Hello. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I'm not I'm not lovely right now. You don't like me right now. <laughs> it's because you're trying to irritate me, that's why. Mm, you're picking job. at me. So tonight we have a story about the hauntings associated with a serial killer and the 30 plus probably uh, guys that he killed. 20 or 19 actually of which he dumped right behind his house. But before we do that, let's talk about all the places you can find us. And you can find us on YouTube if you're listening on a podcast right now. We're at 3B Paranormal Spirits on YouTube. Uh, if you go to Facebook, we are at uh, Booze with Benefits. That's B-O-O-S, Booze. If you come check us out on Instagram or TikTok or X, you can find us at Paranormal underscore D-A-S-H underscore Spirits. And you can also find us at our website, and that's paranormal-spirits.com. And that's a landing page for us. You can go to all of our sites, and we have our liquor reviews there. We also have Boozy's Boutique, and Boozy's Boutique is our swag store where you can find our coffee mugs and coffee cups and uh, beanies and Boozy's Koozies and dad caps and racerback tees and regular tees and all kinds of good stuff there. So that's the, like I say, that is our, our swag store. If you want to read about all of our different liquor reviews for the liquors that we drink here while we're on the show, you can go there and there are full reviews on the liquors here. We just say, Hey, you know, tonight I'm drinking tequila Ocho and Alyssa is drinking Lalo. Both are, uh, Blanco tequilas and but there we go much more in depth uh, and let you know about it spend our hard-earned money so you don't have to they're delicious the both of them <laughs> yeah actually I prefer the Lalo but at either one of them you're never gonna go wrong yeah tequila Ocho is probably well no not probably it is my go-to tequila now for if you're wanting a sipping tequila tequila Ocho is it Lalo is a choice of mine for sure. To sip. Is it? Yeah. More than G4? No. <laughs> <laughs> so the truth comes out. G4. No, no not more than G4. Nothing G4, beats G4, mm-hmm. does it? No, G4 is my, that's my ride or die. Yeah, that G4 is good stuff. I really do really And like I like it. it too, but I like this because it has more of a, the tequila ultra has a little bit of bite to it, I think, that I like. Yeah. I could see that. It has not a lot, but I mean, and it's got a little bit of that jalapeno. Jalapeno version, mm-hmm. you think? It's got a little bit of peppery. Tequila Ocho? Mm-hmm. It has a little more pepper to it than um, than your G4 that you like. I do love the G4. So we've talked about our, our booze, B-O-O-Z-E, that we're drinking tonight. Let's talk about the B-O-O-S. So if you were here for our last episode of Paranormal Dash Spirits, you heard about Herbert the Pervert or... Herb the Perv! <laughs> Herbert Ballmeister, 
uh, infamous serial killer uh, that uh, disposed of the the 19 different bodies that were discovered um, behind his house, his, his huge Tudor-style home. And tonight we talk about the hauntings of Fox Hollow Farm, Fox Hollow Farm, where he dumped all those bodies. So, and this all starts around 1996 at the end of a 16-year killing spree of Herbert Ballmeister. He was an infamous serial killer. Uh, like I said, 19 bodies that were discovered on the farm. They have associated him further with uh, what they call the I-70 killer or the I-70 strangler. And that's another 11 uh, bodies that they found along I-70 there around Indiana, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um between 1980 and 1991. In 1991, he purchased Fox Hollow Farm, and then he started dumping the bodies there. And so this is a story around the hauntings of that. So in 2006, uh, Rob and Vicki Graves, their two teenage sons, uh, they were tired of living in the city and the fast-paced lifestyle and decided they wanted some property out in the country and... um, wanted to move uh, out into the suburban area uh, around Indianapolis. And they wanted to uh, kind of escape that lifestyle. So they find this beautiful place. It's a property called Fox Hollow Farms. Huge, sprawling, 18-acre estate, Tudor-style, expansive um, mansion. I mean, just expansive has a pool down in the basement. The pictures it, of it are amazing. Oh my god, they this are, thing is they are it's a beauty. I mean, it looks like something that English royalty would live in. It I really mean, it is. Just, it really is. It's that beautiful. So, Robin uh Vicky Graves, they're shocked at how affordable this place that they find is if nothing other than the sheer size of this house and the size of the property. So, they um, they start thinking, you know, this might be too good to be true. And if it's on our podcast and it's too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it definitely is. But anyway, uh, because at a passing glance, it, it, you know, it's absolutely gorgeous. And But Rob, it comes to him while they're walking through the property and, and the house, Rob remembers the name of Fox Hollow Farm from a newscast that he had seen decades ago, or a, you know, at least a decade ago. Rob. And come on, man. So he remembers this name and he goes, Hey, wait a second. I know that. So he brings it up to the real estate agent and says, Hey, dude, uh, this property you're showing us, this didn't happen to be. The same property where all the the killings took place and the bodies were dumped. No. And no, the real estate agent fessed up. He said, as a matter of fact, he said there was a private investor who purchased the estate from the widow of Herbert Baumeister, who was Julia Baumeister, and uh, bought the estate immediately uh, after they had cleared it of the bodies uh, back in 96. It had been completely remodeled, top to bottom. Um, doesn't look anything like it did back back in the day. 
you know, when all this uh, took place and they found all the body remnants and et cetera. Oh, really? They'd remodeled the whole thing, huh? They remodeled the whole thing top to bottom. Hmm. He says, that's why it's so affordable because no one wanted to live there due to the history. No doubt. Uh, so Rob asked Vicky, he says, hey, do you think, you know, this is a great deal on this property. I mean, this is super priced, right? He said, would you mind living here? You don't believe in all that ghost shit, right? Right. And she's like, yeah, you know, it's whatever. No, no, it's not. And he, I'm going to tell you no, what right seriously. now. You came at me with that. I would say <laughs> absolutely not. And you know, but I'm it's all a great about, deal. I know. And I'm all about, You're a all about deal. the great deals. I am all about the great deals, but I'm also about sleeping. I may so. not sleep as often as I should, but I certainly am not trying to be haunted by no damn ghosties, especially in that damn pool. So anyway, uh, Vicky agrees. She says, you know, oh, it is a, it's a Vicky. great deal. Uh, she'll live to regret that. Yeah, she will. Um, but ultimately, they decide to purchase a property. Within a few weeks, the family moves in, falls in love with it. Bless it. Um, the teenage son that they have love to go running around the woods and, mm. you know, and everything, and then come jump in the pool to, to wash off. Well, in doing this, mm. they're tracking in dirt and gravel uh, every time. So, Vicky. Bone fragments. Huh? Bone yeah, fragments. probably bone fragments. So anyway, <laughs> Vicky decides that she's going to go down and she's going to vacuum around mm. uh, where the boys are coming in outside right there at the pool room. Because, you know, the pool room is at the basement level, but it's a walkout and you can... Oh, go in the backyard mm-hmm, from it. Going to, from the backyard into okay. the pool. So okay. they walk in and track all the, the dirt and, and gravel in and everything. So anyway, she starts vacuuming. And all of a sudden, the vacuum loses power. So she believes that she's accidentally unplugged it from the outlet. So she plugs it back in, continues to work. Uh, Within several minutes, it happens again. Mm. Now, she's perplexed by now because, you know, hey, I I plugged it in. And I made sure that I didn't pull it this time. But it still came unplugged. Mm -hmm. So she goes over there. She plugs it back in. And as she's vacuuming, she watches the cord come out of the plug. And nope. Said it looked like somebody had picked it up and thrown it when they pulled it out, like jerked it out. And she wasn't she wasn't putting any tension on it, so it wasn't her that had done it. Mm. Um. Hmm. That's weird. <laughs> anyway, she's startled. She drops the vacuum. She's beside herself. Absolutely. And uh, she doesn't, she's just like, okay, what just happened? So. Well, what just what happened? <laughs> well, what happened was the ghost pulled it out. That's yes. what happened. So anyway, Rob, <clears throat> pardon me. Rob works at a car dealership and one of his employees is a man named Joe LeBlanc. Now, Joe had been a great employee. I mean, doing great, right? But he has this habit of being late every day. Damn it, Joe. I know you can relate to that, right? I hate that you just said that, but yes, unfortunately, <laughs> it's a, and it's a pet peeve of mine. I'm not, a, I'm not proud of it at uh, all. Okay, but anyway, so so you and Joe can relate on this. Got you, Joe. And you can empathize with Joe here mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Joe is late a lot. Fronting me out. <laughs> I totally did. So Joe <laughs> explains to Rob that, man, he loves the job. Bruh, but I can't be on time. But I, I just can't make it. 
I live an hour away. And, you know, sometimes, you know what it's like. You hit traffic, and next thing you know, you're you're late. So it, it was getting difficult for him to get there on time. He really wanted to keep the job. Rob is really appreciative of Joe's work and his work ethic and wanted to help him out any way he can. So he and Vicky had been talking about renting out the uh, guest house that they have on the property next to their house. And he calls Vicky and says, Hey, this guy needs a place to live. He said he, he would consider moving if he could. Don't do it, Joe. To be closer so that he could get to work on time. Mm. So next thing you know, he, seems like a match made in heaven oh, and perfect opportunity for everybody. Mm-hmm. So he moves into the garage apartment uh, that is above uh, the garage and rents it out from uh, Rob Graves. And so a few days later, Joe assists, uh, Joe is assisted by Rob and they move into the apartment. Took him the whole day to move in. Joe was exhausted. So he decides he's going to retire for the night. Um, he brought his dog Fred with him. So it's just Joe and Fred there. And Joe slips into this fitful sleep and he is having this vivid nightmare and he's being chased through the woods there at Fox hollow farm. And he doesn't know what's chasing him, but he's terrified and he's running for his life. This dream is so intense that it causes Joe to sleepwalk. He jumps up and starts running. He runs into a door jam, bam, hits a door jam, falls over, hits a glass, breaks a glass. Oh, no. He's never done this before. And so anyway, he knocks over the glass. The glass shatters. It cuts his hand. Like a a drinking glass, I'm assuming. Yes. Okay. And it, it wakes him up. I hope. So anyway, this is like, he's freaked out. He's like, what the hell? No doubt. So... So it wasn't long after that, a couple of days. I'm um, out. I'm out. I'm gonna have to be late, bro. Like, <laughs> uh, so Rob, uh, the guy that bought the house, mm-hmm. uh, is painting the side of the home, and he's painting it a different color. And as he's painting it, Vicky shows up from work. Now Vicky works at a hospital, and I forget her position, but um, like a radiologist or something like that. I forget. Anyway. Um, she came up on him and he's painting the house and she remarks, you know, Hey, great job. Looks great. And she's standing there talking to Rob. And as she's talking to him out of the corner of her eye, she sees something moving close to the tree line. And she looks over there and it's a guy in a red shirt that's just standing there. And this guy in the red shirt is looking back at her. She's looking at him. They see each other. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're making eye contact. And Vicky's like, what the heck is this, you know? And so the guy in the red shirt just turns and he starts walking off. Random. Yeah. She tells Rob, hey, come look at this. So he climbs down off the ladder, comes around the corner of the house, and he doesn't see anything. Vicky realized at the moment that he started walking off, that she sees this guy in the red shirt, but she doesn't see any legs. Mm. So his legs 
or transparent as she's watching him walk off. It's broad daylight and this is happening. Mm -mm. So it's like, nope. She doesn't tell Rob that part of it. Rob's like, you know what? He said, this is a serial killer's home. We're going to have trespassers that come along every now and then. With no legs? She didn't tell him that part, remember? Oh, right. So he's like, we're going to have people that are checking out the house just because of the novelty of it or whatever. Little gawkers. And he said, if you're going to buy a serial killer's home, you're just going to have to learn to lean into it and expect that people are going to sneak on your property from time to time to get a look. So. Okay. <clears throat> Love back, that approach. <laughs> back at Joe's place. <laughs> back at Joe's place. At the above garage apartment. Mm -hmm. Okay. So later that night, Joe is doing uh, dishes in his apartment above the garage area and suddenly hears a series of knocks on his front door. It's like, bam, bam, bam. So Joe yells out, hey, I'll be right there. As he is drying his hands, there comes a second set of knocks. These are even more louder, more aggressive, and hey, you know, I really want you to answer the door. Joe yells, Joe yells back, I'm coming, I'm coming. He thinks this must be Rob or Vicky really needing to talk to him, you know? Mm -hmm. So he goes to the door and the door, it's still knocking as he's walking up to the door. Somebody's just, they're pounding on the door now. He's going to open this He opens the door and, and no one is there. Nope. So... The knocking had actually been occurring when he opened the door, so it stopped immediately as he opened the door. There's no one there, and he's like, what the hell? So he he goes outside. He looks around. He looks up to see if somebody's, like, hanging over the roof and beating on his door. No doubt. Because um, there had to be somebody there, you know, because he's hearing it banging, right? Right. So he's thoroughly freaked out at this point. He on his way back inside the house and he bolts the door and he locks it behind him. And as he's making his way back to the kitchen to finish up the dishes, he looks to his left to his bedroom and there is a man standing in his bedroom, staring back at him. Mm -hmm. His dog, Fred, begins to growl when he sees this figure. And it was this weird growl Joe said that he had never heard before. And it never heard him make this sound. And he goes in there, turns on all the lights in the bedroom where this guy was looking back at him and nothing. No one's hiding there. Just nothing. Bedroom's empty. So he's trying to rationalize this, clear his mind. So he decides to take Fred for a walk. And they go outside and they start walking. There's this long winding driveway that leads up to the the road uh, from the house. And so they're going down this driveway. And he's become this has become their ritual since he's been there. They they do this walk every night. And so that's a brave mofo. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And in the dark. Yeah. So anyway. As they're walking up the driveway, he looks over at Rob and Vicky's house because he thinks it must have been them that had knocked on his door earlier and all the lights are out. Nobody's home or they're mm. already had already gone to bed. No, it was the dude that was in his 
in his bedroom. <sighs> Homie's the one. So anyway, here's Fred. He's walking along with him, and Fred walks without a leash. Now, this is he always stays right there with him. And I've seen people do this where they walk their dogs, and their dogs just stay right there. Uh, I don't think I've ever had a dog that I would trust without a leash. But anyway. We don't uh, live in the country either. Yeah. So this this is not, it's no different. And Fred's, you know, walking there with him. And um, anyway, they're, they've gone out their ways and they're starting to come back. Well, he, um, Fred doesn't listen when Joe tells him, hey, come back. And so the dog is looking at something at the tree line and he starts he's staring over here and he starts growling into the tree line well suddenly he bolts in that direction you know Fred's going to get him whatever it was over there in the tree line well this dog is everything to Joe so Joe just instinctively runs after the dog and he gets out there and at the tree line where Fred was running towards, there was a figure standing there, and this guy has on a red, a red shirt. shirt. The man turned and moved away from them, um, but then just disappears. I mean, poof, into nothing, right? Well, Joe catches up to Fred, and he's not acting aggressive at all now. He's calmed down, and you know, because it's just him and. And uh, and Joe there, well, Joe all of a sudden feels like somebody's watching him. And he turns and looks. And when he turns, this dude in the red shirt no. is standing next to nope. him. No. Joe. Loses I'm sure, his shit. I'm sure he crapped his pants. Duh. Wouldn't and, you? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And he beelines it for the house. Well. I ain't trying to go back in there either. And. Fred is in tow. Fred's right there with him, and they run all the way back. Poor Fred. I know, right? They, so they run into the apartment, they lock the door, and they spent the whole rest of the night literally staring out the blinds and looking for whatever that was. How about looking behind them for the ghost who's in the damn bedroom? So the next morning... Because homie wasn't wearing a red shirt. <laughs> the next morning, Joe heads over to Vicky and Rob's house, and he starts telling them what had happened then. And what he had seen the night before, he tells him about the knocking and the apparition that he saw in his bedroom and the man in the red shirt while he was walking Fred. And as he's recounting this story and Vicky, she begins to get emotional and she literally starts tearing up and she tells Joe that she has seen this same guy in the red shirt and points out the window to the spot where she had seen him. This is also the exact same spot where Joe saw him the night before. So anyway, day turns tonight and Joe mm -hmm. is truly exhausted now because he's been up the whole night before. No doubt. And he decides he's going to forego the walk with Fred. So they're just going to hang out at the house tonight. <laughs> oh, Fred. <laughs> they're not going to go chasing red-shirted ghosts through the woods tonight, I guess. And anyway, he's laying there in his bed, and he is jolted alert by this knocking at the door. Joe yells out, who is it? As he makes his way towards the door, doesn't receive an answer back, just more aggressive knocking. 
the door now is literally shaking in its frame as it's as something is rapping on this door, right? So Joe is terrified and he's expecting a repeat of the night before. And finally, and I'm telling you, this dude has bigger stones than I do because finally he grabs the door and slings the door open and no one's there. And he looks all throughout the yard. No one's out there. And he's trying to see who's knocking at the door. There's no one. Finally, Joe looks at the door, at the outside of the door, mm. and he notices that this knocker, this, you know, one of those swinging knocker things. Yes. You know, this knocker is standing straight up uh, off the door. Nope. Not nope. laying his door no. <laughs> straight up off the door. No. And he's as he's looking at it. It is starts to knock. Bam. Nope. It comes down one more time against the door. And I'm sure this is I'm sure this is where Joe crapped his pants because this is where I would have crapped my pants. This is where I'm like, peace out. Oh man. Anyway, so it slams down into the door and Joe freaks oh out. God. He's he slams the door shut. He locks it. He's trying to catch his breath. His heart feels he said his heart felt like it was beating out of his chest. My heart is. And he's standing there frozen. He sees the doorknob begin to turn. No. No. Yeah, baby. In the jam, nope. the doorknob is turning. Peace. So out. And without warning, the door explodes inward. The jam splinters, sending shards of wood out like missiles. And again, somebody is mad. Nobody is at the door. Now, after a moment of this frozen terror, whatever, oh, Joe runs outside and into the front yard apartment, screaming. screaming, yeah, searching all around for who could be doing this. And after several minutes, he stares back into the house. Through the open door, he sees a man dressed in white. And he's actually had said he was in a white shirt. And the angel Gabriel there. came to him. <laughs> right. And he is, the guy says he looks like he is soaked from head to toe in water. And he's screaming in this muted voice as if screaming out from underneath the water. Oh, he's drowning in the pool. Mm. So, anyway, this figure charges at Joe. I wonder if Joe looks like Herb. I don't know. No, I don't think so. Not really? Not to me. I've seen both of them in pictures. And no, neither one looks... They they do not look similar to each other. Maybe Chuck lived. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe look like Chuck. I don't know. So the figure standing in the doorway charges for Joe, and then as he charges, just disappears into mist, and he's gone. This is something like out of a movie. Man. So anyway, Joe, he absolutely freaks out. Runs over to Rob and Vicky's house. Fred in tow again. Um, Poor Fred. I know, right? So, Joe shares this with Robin Vicky. And so, they, they're they past the point of rationalizing this. So okay, now, good. I'm glad. We're, we're okay. coming. So, Rob, Rob hasn't seen anything yet that he admits to. Mm. But I think maybe Rob saw something too. Because you could tell. In the interviews that I've seen of Rob, I think Rob has seen Rob something. Rob knew. Rob knew. And Vicky for sure knew. She saw I mean, it. She saw it, yeah. Uh, Joe has seen it. 
Fred has seen it. Fred is my spirit animal. <laughs> so, anyway, they get over there, and they're not even trying to tell themselves that this is not a haunting. They're trying to tell themselves. It's not evil. Right. This must be the victims of her ballmeister, and they're just reaching out, wanting help, because of somehow her, by killing him, has trapped them here in their ghostly or spectral state. Well, as much as I love that rationalization, they're mad, too, apparently. They well, try I, to kill all y'all. Yeah, I'm sure. So, I'm sure they are pissed. They got, you know, getting killed like that. Yeah, no doubt. And and then dumped. They're not, they're not buried in a proper grave, or they weren't. You know, a lot of them haven't even been identified at that point. Right. They're just trying to make it make sense at this point. So, they, they start looking oh. at these victims, and... They decide, they find one, and Joe goes, oh, my God, that's the guy that I just saw. It was one of the victims. It was posted on the uh, a website that had all the victims on there. And one of the victims that was on that website is the one that Joe saw in the doorway, all dressed in white and um, soaked in water oh, and okay. starts running towards him. That guy. The one that went poof. Right. So by this time, they um, they believe that they're, they're experiencing the results of all the the killings, and nothing to do with her. But at this point, it's just victims, and that their energy is stuck here, like in this endless loop, just replaying their final, you know, tragic moments. Uh, Joe refuses to return to his apartment that night. Robin, Vicky being the good landlords that they are, agree that Joe should spend the night. And that's when they started scouring the internet for any kind of information that they could find. And this information scares them, but at the same time, it's kind of reassuring because now they know that they're dealing with something that probably isn't malevolent or, you know, they're just, they're dealing with the victims here. So, Anyway, after several uneventful days, Joe finds himself compelled to walk around the property uh, with Fred. He doesn't know why. Uh, but this time he's doing it in broad daylight. Yeah, no and doubt. as he makes his way with Fred to the area where both he and Vicky had seen the man in red on separate occasions, just past the tree line on the walking path, Joe stops and sees what appears to be a bone. He believes that it's impossible that such a bone could have been missed during this massive excavation and search, extensive searches they've had on the place. Lo and behold, there it is. It was like it was there for him to discover. Joe runs and he grabs Rob and Vicky says, Hey, come out here. Look what I've seen. And um, they ended up uh, contacting the lead detective on the Ballmeister case and submitted the bone, which turned out to be a human femur bone and was placed into evidence uh, for analysis. They asked if the investigator would come out um, to the property and explain to them just where the things had taken place where the bodies were dumped and that kind of stuff, just so that they could have a better understanding. And and he obliged. Um, several days passed, and Joe is on his computer, checking his emails, 
and he begins he begins hearing this scraping sound coming from the kitchen and it sounds like almost like a metallic sound so he goes into the kitchen and after walking in there he sees all of his knives pulled out of the butcher block or the the knife block and laid out neatly across the sink all in a row no yeah so nope mount bye <laughs> He looks around and he can see where the knives have, he said there's fresh cuts along the wall and he's glancing around the room and he spots these cuts in the wood uh, near the cabinet. He starts to try to figure out the mystery. He takes out his phone. He begins recording, asking probing questions to whoever or whatever could be there in hopes of helping him in any way that he can. So he begins by asking a series of questions, doesn't get anything. Fred begins to growl, and it's the same eerie kind of growl that he had. When he when, saw Homie in the bedroom. When he saw Homie in the bedroom, when he saw the red-shirted dude out at the, the wood line or the tree line. He know he thinks it's got to be something here because Fred doesn't do this kind of sound unless there's... A spirit. Shit going on, right? Exactly. So he's talking to this thing and he's got this app on his phone he's using to record with. So he gets done and he downloads it to his computer and he starts listening to it. And he did receive one response Uh when he asked him, who was it that was doing this? And he said, the voice back says, the married one. The married one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you remember all the victims that were killed? Or boys and men. Gay men. That were single gay men. The only one involved in all of this that was married? Herb. Was Herb. Herbert the pervert, Ballmeister, was the only one that was married. Damn, so he's like, get out my house. So. But he wasn't killed there either. That's crazy. So he came back to the house. But remember, there was a, the killing or the way Herb died was very ritualistic. He may have died at the house. We don't know he didn't die at the house. We just know he was found. Well, they found him in Canada. That's true. The day before. So it'd been hard to make that. That's true. Okay. So they found him in Canada in this ritualistic murder, or, or whatever it was. Can't say the S word, but I just did, so I'm going to have to bleep that out. But anyway, um, so Joe believes that he has heard the married one. So he thinks that it's Ballmeister that's actually haunting his garage apartment. Mm-hmm. So he believes that not only the victims that were killed there are trapped within the grounds there at Fox Hollow, but also perhaps the killer himself. I don't wonder if he's trapped. I wonder if he's choosing to be there. And he may be. Maybe he's there to keep his all of his people that he killed, all the, the spirits there. Ugh. It's pretty messed up. Anyway, um, 
but over there was over a period of several months, it's about six months, there was dozens and dozens of investigations and several episodes um dealing with these real life haunting episodes. An independent film uh was made and compiled of these investigations. And although this property has changed hands several times since the Graves have owned it and lived in it, this remains one of the most haunted places in the United States, if not the world, because of all the oh, the negative stuff that went on there. So the Graves has moved, huh? They They have moved on. They do not own the property anymore. And, of course, Joe doesn't live there anymore either. But... You know, um, we talked about in the previous episode the ritualistic way that her ballmaster died. Right. With the, where the, the geese. The geese were next were strangled to strangled and laid next to him on this mound. There were no footprints leading up to it. There's no gun. There no was no gun. blood. They no, the, nobody saw the gun. There was no blood there. <clears throat> and he was shot with a three fifty seven Magnum. Through the head. Yeah. Forehead, Forehead. Not even the side of the head. Forehead. Forehead. So if anybody knows anything about three fifty seven Magnums that play with guns, you know, you know that that's got, that's a hell of a handgun. I mean, that's a cannon. And there's no way that you would be able to hold it in the manner that he would have had to. Actually, if you took and put your thumb in like this, you would be able to. But he wouldn't be sitting there without any blood next to... I mean, he could have been there next to... With all of this. Because no. I mean, he could have even had funeral makeup and all of that, like, prepped himself for it. But there's no way he's going to be bloodless. Now, someone could have come up and found the gun, took the gun, you know, uh, yeah. somebody walking through yeah. the park said, oh, there's a gun. What happened to the footprints? Yeah. In one of the EVP sessions... When somebody asked about the skulls, because the on, they only recovered one skull, the way they identified all the different bodies out there was their left thumb. Right. That was the way they counted how many bodies they. Because they didn't have any skulls. Thumbs do we have? Right. Right. Because they didn't have a skull, so there was only one skull that was recovered. Right. And that's probably the one that uh, Eric Ballmeister's son found. Yeah. So I think that which was the one. Yeah, thing. it was started the whole thing. So, so if if that's what it was, and they maybe there was somebody else involved, is what I'm thinking. Anyway, so during one of these investigations, somebody asked obvious question: Where are the skulls? Where are the skulls? You know, because the skulls are missing. Oh, and the videotapes that were in the back of the car that were in the back of the car with Ballmeister right in Canada. Right. July, July 3rd of 96. Died. Or July 2nd when they found him with the videotapes in the back of the car. Right, and then the, he did, was found dead on July yeah. 3rd, yes. And then on the 3rd he was found dead. But the videotapes are gone. So the videotapes are missing. The skulls are missing. And we know that he was videotaping because there were hidden cameras in the pool room where he would choke these guys out. Right. So... When they asked that question, they said, Chuck has them. So who the hell is Chuck? Who is Chuck? Where are the the videotapes? You know, so maybe Ballmeister had somebody else that was there with him is what I'm thinking. Had to have. 
Well, or he did at the end when he's trying to get rid of I don't everything, know. It's just, like paying that, It's just really weird it. because you think of everything that that goes into this one. And it's like, yeah, there's too many loose ends that don't. There's tie a lot up. of loose ends. They don't. They just don't tie up on this. It's not. There's not a nice neat bow on this one, but uh, in the investigations, was like what was the most haunted? The pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pool area, and um, so you know, of course, everybody's been out there. Uh, Ghost Adventures has been out there. Mm-hmm. Zach's been out there. I don't remember if he had a Zach attack while he was there. <laughs> but, Need to go watch that one again just to see. Yeah, I did watch. I remember. It, but, I remember him going out here because I remember that was one of the first story, times I think I heard about this. And oh, then I've it? heard it on subsequent podcasts, and I've, I think I've even seen it on a, like a network television show. There, I, so in researching this, you know, of course, I look at podcasts, I look at uh, Wikipedia, anything that I can find right. from actual like, documentation, right? And like I read the whole interview of Julie Ballmeister, uh, oh. the police interview. I got, I was able to access that and. So that's where I found out that, you know, she didn't sleep with the guy for oh, yeah. six times. They slept together marriage. six times in their whole marriage. And, and he spent a year in a, living in a, a different part of the house. Um, yeah. Didn't talk to didn't her. Didn't speak to her for a year. Dude was a nutbag. But yeah. No doubt. Anyway, um, in doing all that, I, I remember looking at all the different podcasts, true crime podcasts and paranormal podcasts for this story, which is, that's why I wanted to do this in two parts with doing all the the murders and the the true crime for one episode and then doing the hauntings for the other episode. Mm-hmm. And it's just really interesting. And there's there's one out there. It's Fox Hollow Farm something, but it's the actual uh, Rob Graves produced it with someone else. Oh, the haunting at Fox Hollow Farm. That's yeah. the one I watched last night. Okay. So Rob Graves is, uh, he produced it with somebody else in conjunction with them and it's basically it was i'm going to be honest it was hard to watch because it was i thought just, it was hard to watch it's just a hodgepodge there's no storyline it's just a hodgepodge of of all these different investigators they have a medium they have a shaman they have um your typical paranormal investigators and i don't know it went on and on and on and it was just it was kind of a collage well there were just know? so many yeah, and it, there was no storyline. It I, didn't group them together. It was know, all mixed up. And you it didn't was, know who was who. It was a mess. But it it was hard to watch, and at least for me. Yeah. But the the Zach Baggins was, was pretty interesting because they talked to Vandergraaf. Uh, oh, did they? The detective. The detective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they talked to him. Uh, they talked to uh, Joe LeBlanc. Um. I believe in their investigation. Maybe I might have saw it on another one. Um, a paranormal witness is another uh, good one that, that one you can watch, and that's a that's a lot of Joe talking about his experiences out at uh, Fox Hollow Farm. So it's really interesting. But yeah, go check those out, and there there's some good watches. Um, also, I would like to point out if you happen to have a family member. Uh, of someone that you suspect could be connected to this case in some way, then you should contact the Hamilton County Coroner's Office at 317-770-4415 and let them know. 
Uh, I know they're they're still trying to identify some of the. They still haven't identified all the bodies. It's really sad. You're really talking about sad. 30, 30, 30 something guys that died at the hands of this dude. Like thirty years ago, over thirty years ago, mm-hmm. about yeah, over yeah, 30, thirty years ago. Yeah, thirty something. It's just so sad to not know what happened. It is. It's very the, sad. So if you have somebody you feel like an in, you know, maybe they disappeared in Indiana or Ohio and you, you just happen to listen to our podcast and you go, oh yeah, I had a cousin or, you know, my brother or whatever disappeared, then yeah, give them a call. But anyway, that's my story for Fox Hollow Farm for the hauntings. So I don't want to go there. <laughs> no? You don't want to go hang out there? No. Yeah, I don't want to go visit. I don't want to go. I, I mean, the house looks amazing. I'm not going to lie. Would you live like, there? Sans the haints. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Could you go through and sage the whole no. house? And, no, 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 no. And have because it blast it's, and, Listen, because it's not just the house. It's that whole damn place. Yeah. I Them just, people are... Those spirits are so... And disturbed probably because of how they died, how they were disposed of, well, you burned. Know, well, we talk about, uh, you know, the different kinds of hauntings. You have, you know, these intellectual or the intelligent hauntings where they interact with you. Right. And, um, you have hauntings that are just residual and they just, it's kind of a loop playing over and over and over. Even if it's just a loop playing over and over and over, I still don't want to see that loop that is so perverse and yeah horrible that I don't want to have to like it, I don't want to experience that like the one that he saw that was like trying to yell like he was you know wet and drowning mm-hmm. he probably got drowned in the pool like when he was like in a previous story how you're talking about how herb had taken uh good good year yeah, good, Mark Goodyear. Goodyear out er, and... And tried to choke him and, out in the yeah, pool. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, and there's well, no telling what he did to some of those people. I know that, you know, in the uh, the two episodes where we talked about our own personal experiences... Right. Uh, ...during the ghost hunting phase of my life and and all that, and I, and I talk about that one place that I wouldn't go back. Yes. And that is where the woman was killed by her husband. Yes. And I think that's probably a loop. I don't think that's a intelligent haunting. I think that's just something playing over and over and over. I don't ever want to experience that again. That was very, <laughs> that was very traumatic for you me. You mean with her screaming? Oh yeah. That's what you mean by a loop. They just do the same thing over and yeah. over to people that show up. Yeah. Just, for those that. Can, but I would not want to have to. For me in the back, to, that I don't mm-mm. know exactly nope. what that means. Nope. Wouldn't want to do it. Well, and it's just, and it doesn't matter what kind of saging you did to the house, because you know sometimes it's the actual location is. The building is haunted. As much blood as versus, was spilled there. Right. Well, versus the land. And I yeah. think here, you've got a combination of everything. However many acres this dang farm is. And I think when you had talked about it earlier, it's a lot. 18 acres. And we don't know if anything even happened in that damn garage apartment, but he got freaking haunted in that. I mean, I, I, and I don't feel, I don't, I would never feel safe Mm-mm. because it doesn't sound like, and then you've got the married one taking out knives and sharpening it on the wood. No, no, no. I'm not having my child there. My animals that me and Fred, we out. No, I wouldn't. I'm like, that's Fred. not a place I want to go visit. Fred is my spirit animal. There's a lot of places I'd go visit, but that's just not one of them. 
I don't, I don't want malevolence. And I'm not saying that they were all malevolent, but something there was not happy with those knives. You start talking about knives and weaponry <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. Did they ever have anybody come out? No one's ever tried to cleanse it that they've reported. You know, we, we hear all these things about being haunted and all of this. And so they'll have priests and people come out. So this, I mean, I guess since we know what's happened here, I there's think no that mistake. During the investigations, some of the investigations, some of the uh, investigators and the, um, like the mediums and stuff like that. And yeah, the shaman. The you're like, go to the light. And, oh, yeah, I did. You know, see you don't have to stay here and that kind of thing. But no, I, I wouldn't either. I mean, I'm not saying it needs to be like, uh, it's not like exorcised. I'm just trying. I'm just curious if anybody yeah, ever did anything like that. I don't know. Yeah, hey, no, I, I ain't I, going there to find out. I'll drive by, <laughs> but then I'd, I'd be afraid. I'd be having some mm-hmm. talisman somewhere, making sure nothing comes into my car no, when I, I go past it. I don't think I would go. I'll say it. I'll see it from the video. Anyway, that's the story of the haunting of Fox Hollow Farm. So, I I just wouldn't go there. No, I, would, I wouldn't. Visit. I don't think so. <laughs> that's not for me. Right. However, go enjoy some Lalo. Yeah, go enjoy some tequila. Is that tequila, tequila Ocho? Uh, right? Yeah, that's tequila Ocho. That's the good stuff. Yes, it is. Check us out. www.paranormal-spirits.com. Yeah, if you go there, I'm gonna put up. Um, full reviews of these liquors uh, along with all the other liquors that we've had on the podcast. So y'all have a good night. Bye-bye. Peace. <laughs> Bye-bye.